is Encounters with Jesus with Dr. Ellie Gonzalez and Malcolm Pollard. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited, taking you through the life of Jesus in a powerful and practical way. Ellie, you know when you brush past someone or someone touches your clothes, you generally don't pick up on it, you don't notice it, you don't feel any sensation at all unless there's static electricity. Yeah. But in this uh, this encounter with Jesus, it's certainly something that he noticed that made him turn around. Oh, mate, you're going through the spiritual lesson first. You know, Jesus <laughs> notices everything. He notices every one of your needs. And this encounter with Jesus is really special because of that. Mm. Actually, it's a, it's a double header. There's two miracles in one because we're talking about the story of this woman who touched Jesus' robe and was healed, mm. but that was only an interruption to the main show. Let me tell you how it happens. So Jesus has been in a boat coming across the lake. He lands and all the crowds are there with him and the leader of the synagogue, like the ch- local church pastor, Jewish, if you like, comes running up to him, falls on the ground on his knees before Jesus and begs him, come quickly, come quickly, my little girl is dying. Now this is like really surprising because this is a very uh, a man with a very high status in, in the town and for him to beg and on his knees, obviously he's desperate, you know, yeah. his little girl is dying so yeah. we can understand that. He says, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. So Jesus is going with him and all the crowd is following them now the, the story shifts to this woman who's been bleeding. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And she obviously had some money because the story says she'd blown it all on doctors and no one could stop the hemorrhaging. In our society, that would be bad. It would be, you know, bad for her. It'd, it'd probably stop her, you know, going out in, in society and doing a lot of her normal activities. But in this society, mm. in, in first century Judaism, it was especially bad. Because they had a lot of, you know, what to us would be really weird religious rules. And if any blood came out of you for any reason, whether it was a cut or you're a woman and, you know, you had your menses, whatever it was, uh, you were unclean, ritually unclean. And any anyone who touched you, they couldn't touch anyone else. Sure. They became unclean as well. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't go to any social gathering, you know, and they had to be isolated from everyone else until they'd done, uh, you know, special rituals. Mm. And so this woman probably couldn't live in her own home anymore or her her relatives had to leave her in her home, whatever it was. She was Mm. ostracised from society. She couldn't participate in the life of the community. She couldn't go anywhere. She probably hadn't seen the light of day outside her own home for for so long, Mm. 12 long years. But she's heard about Jesus and she actually leaves her home and goes into this crowd. She's breaking all the taboos, Mm -hmm. all the laws, because by going into the crowd, she's obviously, the crowd is pressed tightly, the story says. She's obviously brushing up against everyone else, making them all unclean, mm-hmm. you know, with her uncleanness in, in that culture. And in her mind, she only just wants to get close to Jesus, stretch out a hand. You can imagine her just stretching out a hand between two other bodies and just, just brushing the hem of Jesus' clothes, mm. Jesus' garment. And the moment that she does that, like she feels, she knows that she's been healed and as the crowd surges forward, can you just imagine her just standing alone in the crowd in wonder and the crowd continues to go past. But Jesus stops. Jesus stops. I love this. Jesus is in a hurry because the little girl is dying. Mm. Jairus, her father, is urging him on, quicker, quicker, hurry up, hurry up, we won't make it in time. But Jesus stops. Jesus loves to be interrupted, to touch those in need. And he stopped, 
because he doesn't just heal people so that they can be healed. He heals you. He blesses your life so that he can have a personal connection with you, relationship with you. If he hadn't stopped, he'd never have had this Hmm. with this woman. And he stops, he looks around everywhere and says, who touched me? The disciples are horrified. How can you say who touched you? Everyone's touching you, (laughs) right? But Jesus knew this was a special touch. It was a touch of faith from a special lady. And he stands there and he waits. And you can, can you imagine how mortified this woman is who hasn't been in any social setting for 12 years? Mm. She's embarrassed. And Jesus is waiting for her to step forward. Maybe you need to step forward because of what Jesus has done for you. Step forward and step up in your relationship with Jesus. Make that personal connection with him. She steps forward and he says to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, while he's still speaking to her, messengers come from Jairus' house and basically say, don't bother, she's died. And Jesus overhears them and he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. This is one of the beautiful things that Jesus says in the Gospels that I love. Don't be afraid, just believe. Do you know how many times, Malcolm, I've applied it to my own life? Mm. You know, no matter what front we put on, we're all afraid of loss, of death, of sickness, of losing the ones we love, of strife, of conflict, whatever it might be. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. And so they come to Jairus' house and Jesus hears much commotion and weeping and wailing. So the cultural context here is that when someone died in, in first century Israel, the family would lay the, the deceased person out in a, in a special place, you know, they'd lay them out in the house and they would actually hire professional mourners. Huge crowd of people who'd come and they weren't really feeling sad. They probably didn't know the deceased all that well, but they'd all come dressed in, you know, mourning clothes and rub ash on their face to, to make their faces look dark and streaky and, and, uh, and terrible. They'd, they'd all come and they'd wear old clothes that they'd already torn and they'd tear this and mourn. They'd wail and make terrible noise. It was just a custom there, really bizarre. Wouldn't you hate that in a funeral? Oh, <laughs> I can't get my head around it. <laughs> and and Jesus hated it. He yeah, hated that. Sure he did. Oh, and he says, "What? What's all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep." I love it that Jesus usually, when he talks about death, he talks about death as being asleep. He did the same with Lazarus. You remember and the disciples. Freak out, freak out, they don't know what he's talking about. But Jesus loves to call death asleep. Why? Because for him, death is very, very temporary. Just like when you lay your head down to sleep, you close your eyes, you don't dream and you wake up in the morning. He, he is the life giver. He is the one who will give life again to all. And so he just calls death asleep and he's furious at, at these people. I think he's also furious at the people because he hates fakeness. Mm. First of all, he hates death. You will always see Jesus expressing the strongest emotions in the face of death, right here and outside Lazarus' tomb, for example. Mm-hmm. And he hates fakeness. You know, when you are feeling really, really torn and sad and devastated, isn't the worst thing when you're surrounded by fake people? Mm-hmm. And he just hates these professional mourners. And most translations says that he made them to leave. Actually, in the original Greek, the idea is he chucked them out. He cast them out. He was angry. Yeah. He was upset. He turfed them out. He kicked them out. And then he took the girl's father, mother, and three of his disciples into the room where the little girl was lying, and he gently took her hand and he said, Talita kum. And this is, like, really impressive too, Malcolm, because 
when Jesus is expressing the deepest emotion, the deepest sentiment at his most heartfelt, in expressions that the disciples remembered the most, they actually quoted just a few times in the gospel, they quoted the original words that he spoke in the original language of Aramaic, which was his mother tongue, the language that he would have said it in. And of course, they wrote the gospels in the New Testament in Greek. Mm. But here is one of the examples when they actually quote his actual words, talita kum. The other example is on the cross. Yeah, that's right. What it means in Aramaic is little girl, get up. But it's even stronger in its tenderness and its affection. It's like saying, little darling, come up. Mm. He's holding her hand. Just so beautiful. We've all had family members who have passed away. We can't speak to them anymore. But Jesus can speak to the dead. And the dead listen. He's got the keys to death and the grave. Anyway, the little girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up, walked around, and obviously they're amazed. And Jesus does a very strange thing then. Guess what he does? He said, don't tell anybody about this. Yeah, and he said that because this is very early in his ministry. And he knows that if the religious leaders in Jerusalem get too excited, they'll crucify him quick smart and he still needs to have, you know, three years more of ministry. Sure. But then there's an even stranger thing that he says. He told them to give her something to eat. And I just like how Jesus knows what we need. He's always concerned about what it is that we need next in our lives. Like Jesus could have been, I'm so awesome, look what I did. This is the first time that he raised someone from the dead. There's two other times that he raises people from the dead, like he'd never done this before mm, mm, in, mm. in his earthly ministry, right? I'm so awesome, you know, it could have been just, you know, hey, did you see that? High five. But no, his concern is solely on this little girl. And I guess there's something that for me unites both of these stories, and that is that no matter where we are, what our need may be, what is the trouble that we're sunk in, when we come in the presence of Jesus, we are always his only focus of attention. You know, that woman had been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus isn't interested in anyone else in the crowd who mm. touched me. Mm. One person touched me. The creator of the universe stops for her. No doctor could have helped her. No religious teacher could get her out of her ritual uncleanliness. And the same thing is, is right here in the story of, of Jairus's daughter. His sole focus is on, on her. Sometimes we think that Jesus is too busy for us. I think the image of God that we've been taught sometimes gives us the wrong idea of, of him. We think he's too high and mighty and too busy judging people and making planets go in the right direction and, and smiting and, and doing all that sort of stuff, <laughs> you know, a lot of smiting. But Jesus came to reveal to us who God is. And it's not those things. Mm. God is the one who is profoundly interested in you as if you were his only son and his only daughter. And that's what I love about these two stories. So there you go. It was a double header, two miracles in one, two important encounters with Jesus. And I hope you have your own. Encounters with Jesus with Dr. Ellie Gonzalez and Malcolm Pollard. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To receive GNU's unlimited daily devotional email, visit goodnewsunlimited.com.